0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. I'm Chris Hatfield, aka Not Another Sales Guy. And in the episode today, I'm joined by sales and leadership coach Dee Mullin. And Dee and I are going to be talking all about rewiring our thoughts about our emotions. We're going to be discussing some specific examples of emotions we have a misunderstanding of why this is the case and why we sometimes don't fully understand them, both ones that we deem both positive and negative, and how we can begin to start rewiring our thoughts around our emotions and the benefits of doing so. So, grab a pen and pad, sit back and enjoy. Dee, hello, how are you?
1: Chris, I'm great, how are you?
0: Very really good, thank you, welcome back.
1: Thank you, thanks for having me back.
0: You're welcome, how have you been?
1: Uh, been, been very good. How about you?
0: Yeah, really well, thank you. For the uh, for listeners um, tuning in, Dee was the first ever episode of Not Another Sales Podcast, The Importance Woo-hoo. of Self-Awareness, <laughs> and she's back. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dee, for the those that haven't, and I'm sure a lot of people have listened to that first episode, um, it'd be great just to give them a bit of a, an insight into your background.
1: Sure. So, um, my business background is uh, started my career in fitness and franchising, um, moved to to the staffing industry. So I've had a, a kind of gamut of experiences. Um, and then most recently, I have been working as a professional sales and leadership coach, um, performance coach, and um, actually currently shifting my business a little bit to be a little less on the professional side and dealing more sort of with personal stuff, which is what you and I are going to talk about today so I'm excited for that.
0: Great yeah and, and moving on to what we're talking about today I mean last time we spoke about the importance of self-awareness and I think there's a, there's a lot of that kind of carries through into the topic today around rewiring our thoughts about emotions and what got me thinking about this and then what I was what we were talking about last week is that I think, you know, through life, we're, we're educated about numerous things, but at no point are we really taught about how to understand or manage our emotions, normally only how to hide them, if anything, and to, to get through them and bear them. And I think, you know, sometimes through our experience and our environment, we have a perceived judgment of each emotion and sometimes can pigeonhole them in a certain way, to determining how we think about them. So for you, I mean talking about this sort of subject what are some of the examples where you feel this misunderstanding of emotions can affect us or our thoughts around our emotions
1: yeah it's so funny i think there's so many misunderstandings about it and like what you're saying you know we don't get taught about these things which is just so crazy when you think about it but um i think one like you know root of misunderstanding is the whole idea of positive and negative negative. Um, you know, which emotions are positive and which emotions are negative. I try to reject um labeling things as positive or negative as much as humanly possible because I think there is so much judgment in that. Um, so, even just like how we talk about emotions on that kind of level, which ones are, quote unquote, good or bad, um, I don't necessarily think that there is a bad emotion. I think that it's more, Um, that our emotions are telling us things you know one of my um, favorite teachers is abraham hicks and abraham hicks talks about how your emotions are your guidance system they're they're like your gps so if your gps tells you to go left you don't you don't judge that you know you don't think that like oh i must be so stupid because my gps is telling me to make a left hand turn it's just telling you which way to go that's going to serve you best Mm -hmm. so our emotions can be our teacher but to your point we are if we're taught anything about them we're taught not to feel them so especially in the US people do take all kinds of measures to just numb out emotions which is like if you think about it if you're lost if you're using that GPS analogy it's kind of like the only action you're taking is turning off your map that that's not going to serve you well
0: yeah absolutely absolutely and you know i think also to that as well it's sometimes Reacting in the moment from our emotions without fully understanding what they are it can be sometimes uh, a damaging impact that we can have. Obviously, you know, when we react, when we something happens during our day and we we respond to it in an aggressive or uh, behavior unlike us, it, it's down to really us interpreting that emotion, but not actually looking to understand it, just reacting from it in the moment.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: I think it's important, which we can go into a bit more later on about how we can actually lean into it, as you say, and and actually explore what that emotion is telling us and how it's looking out for us rather than necessarily wanting us to react in a negative way.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I think that's probably the second biggest misconception is that our emotions or our feelings are happening to us. And they mm. are the cause of something external, um which is it's never about what's happening externally. It's always about what's happening internally, you know, but I think we we abandon a lot of our power and we blame a lot of other things. You know, like for instance, I live in Southern California. so um cars on the road are a big deal. There are a lot of cars. Uh, it's yeah. very di- it can be very difficult to get around so, people can um, be very frustrated, for example, sitting in traffic and they'll blame the traffic on their emotion or their feeling or their state. And like, Mm. it's really not the traffic, right? It's our reaction to it. And why are we reacting in that way? And what part of it can we own? And instead of just placing blame on external factors, and obviously traffic is just a very small example, but right? Like we, we get into our car and we think like, this is the only way to be as frustrated because <laughs> why wouldn't we feel this way? But there are, we have choices and it's all internal.
0: Yeah. And, you know, this might be delving into a whole other topic, but it's a bit like that quote where it's, you know, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you deal with it. And that we get so pent up and frustrated and, all of these perceived negative emotions from things that we can't actually control, like the traffic there. We can't actually do anything about that, but we can Mm -hmm. control how we react to it and Mm -hmm. we can decide, you know, which way we respond to it and therefore how our day and how our week and how our lives are going to go from
1: that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because it's possible to be in traffic or to be in any quote-unquote negative you know how i feel about that but negative situation and not Mm. feel not be at the mercy of the condition not feel frustrated or not feel angry like it's very possible to find this is like going a little bit far but to find peace in any scenario so um it's always a choice
0: yeah i mean i i I think as a perfect example it's a bit like when going on holiday versus coming back from holiday in that (laughs) you get up at 4 a.m you know you get to the airport, it's busy, but because you're in a certain state of mind or emotion, nothing can go wrong. You're happy, it's fine. You pay overpriced breakfast, you pay overpriced beers, you go to the duty three, spend all this money. You're like, it's fine. But coming back, you know, anything slight delay, queuing, getting on the plane, someone can't find their bag, all of that is magnified because you're in a different kind of state. Yet they're the same exact things. You just choose to perceive them in different ways.
1: That is a perfect example, yes.
0: And a couple of examples, you know, when we talk about some, some emotions, I think first of all, and we talked about this last week around this example that Simon Sinek uses perfectly well around this nervousness versus excitement to give a good understanding of two different, what we perceive, two different emotions that actually give us the same kind of feelings. And, you know, for those that haven't heard, Simon Sinek will talk, talks about when you're nervous what happens is your palms start to sweat your you know heart rate increases a million thoughts are going through your head and then he's like what are you like when you're excited you know your palms are sweaty a million thoughts are going through your head your heart rate increases they're exactly the same thing yet we're conditioned or we've been conditioned to think a certain way about them and he talks about athletes who after finish finishing a race that they've won are interviewed and they're often asked or any sportsman were you nervous and they're No, i was excited because they programmed themselves to perceive that that energy and that feeling they're getting as excitement rather than nervousness and i just find that very interesting to to sort of you know think about around as you say it's that emotion coming in and then you perceiving how you want to utilize it
1: you know it's so funny i love that part that simon sinek talks about um and i just re-listened to it recently after our conversation last week and as you're saying it now i'm thinking like I wonder with those athletes, if it's a little chicken in the egg, right? I wonder if they are so successful at what they're doing because at an early age, they decided to, they made a choice, probably an unconscious choice to Mm. interpret that stimuli as excitement versus nervousness. Um, Mm -hmm. I wonder if that happened at, at, at a very early age, which then led in part to their success or if it's something that, you know, they later learned. You know, it's again, it's a little bit of that chicken or egg, but it's very interesting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and the other emotion that I find really interesting and um we we talked about this again last week. And I know you watched the video last week as well around the talk from the psychologist Kelly McGonigal around making stress your friend and this this whole concept around stress. What did you what did you gain from that and that kind of Um, perception of what people have on stress
1: yes i loved that ted talk so if anyone is listening who hasn't seen the ted talk i think it's about 14 minutes it's absolutely worth your time what is the ted talk called chris
0: making stress Stress your your friend. friend yeah
1: yeah So so worth the watch. Um, So what I took away from it, so just briefly, and this is like, I guess, a little bit of a spoiler alert. So if you really want to hear it from her, which she will be more articulate than me, um, pause this, watch it, and then come back. But what she talks about is that, um, and you can correct me if I'm getting any of this wrong, but she looks at studies about stress and stress as it um, impacts health and people who believed that their level of stress was going to have a negative impact on their health actually did experience that negative impact. People who had the same or similar levels of stress, but did not have that same belief that it was going to have a negative impact on their on their, their health. It didn't. So um, is that what you got from it too? Is that like sort of what she was saying?
0: Yeah. And I, th- I think it's a great example along with the, the nervousness and excitement of, how you can actually look at something as, as common as stress that we even use it in our language every day. Every you know, I'm so stressed, I work a stressful job, I've had a stressful day, and it's this negative thing, but we can actually use it as an asset because it's actually, what she talks about is priming ourselves to be able to deal with the situation that we're in. And if people can actually change their perception towards it, it can actually help us, make us healthier. It's about you know, getting your body ready to rise to the challenge that you're about to deal with. And, you know, not getting too scientific here, but she talks about the, the hormone that's released. Um, It's called the cuddle hormone oxytocin and yes. during stress. And she says it actually stress makes you more social, which at first when she said that, I was thinking, really? But then, you know, when she talks about it and it's again, you know, definitely watch this TED talk because it's it's well worth it. Um, But it's actually what stress does. It actually motivates you to seek support. It gives you that nudge to tell someone how you feel it also helps you notice when other people are doing that as well of other people struggling. And it, it's again, a way of what we don't realize is that it's, it's supporting us and that that hormone itself as well. And, and the fact that stress that that feeling we have is actually benefiting us. Whereas we just see it as a quite commonly a negative thing.
1: Yeah. So interesting. So that, that is such a good part of it. Um, I, I really like paid more attention to the, piece about the our belief of how this emotion is going to impact us physically and Mm. the fact that our belief is the catalyst for the physical impact versus the emotion being the catalyst Um, so I think both points are really strong and just things that we don't think about you know I think our emotions our reactions to our emotions our thoughts our feelings they really do create the reality that we live in and so often we are creating that reality by default versus by design, and it's a really like that, these are important things. This is this is creating the framework that you're viewing life through. So mm. just bringing to go back to awareness that we talked about in, in our first conversation, just bringing more awareness to how we are interpreting our emotions, what we are thinking in the moment. Um, what we're labeling, right? So many of our emotions we label, even just like stress being this bad thing. We're putting that negative label on it. That that matters.
0: Mm. Yeah, and you mentioned there around sometimes it's a lack of awareness. Why else do you think people have a common misconception about their emotions and therefore see some of them as negative or limiting or things that scare them?
1: I think it's our programming. You know, I think, again, like a lot of times we are creating by default, meaning that we have picked up a lot of this along the way. Um, wh- you know, we've just been, we're, we're reacting to what we've been taught. Again, we we didn't go to elementary school and have a class on feelings, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we learned it by observation, which is, especially at a young age, it's a pretty bad way to learn things because we don't really understand. You know, so um, we watch other people be stressed and unhappy or we watch other people and that's how we learn to interpret our own feelings versus really bringing our intention and our attention to how we're feeling and figuring things out for ourselves. What do Mm. you think about that?
0: Yeah, I completely agree. As as you mentioned about being programmed, I, I don't know if you've read the book, Daniel Goleman, EQ, Why It Matters
1: More Than IQ. No, I haven't.
0: Great book, but he talks about, you know, going back all the way back to what our emotions are actually do. They're still quite prehistoric in how we're programmed. So for example, when we're surprised, the reason why our eyes, our eyelids open as far as they can is that we're actually surveying the area. Or that when you're angry, the reason why your blood rushes to your hand is as if you're ready to grip a sword. Because all of these types of emotions are still actually programmed into the prehistoric days where it was literally, you know, being chased around by animals and having to survive every day and because of that lack of education and that lack of awareness and um, attention on it, I think that's why a lot of people are still stuck in that kind of prehistoric mindset because that's where their emotions are because they've not really been able to evolve down to, and I think this is another reason you mentioned about programming around our environment. And I think quite often when you look at successful people, you know, we we're talking about athletes earlier, when you actually look around, their surroundings and it might be like a key figure it might have been a father it might have been a mentor or someone there's normally someone behind the scenes that's actually had a a, a really positive impact that's helped them get to where they are and that's probably because they've actually in that as well started reprogramming their thoughts around their emotions and their feelings and actually helping them evolve at the same time
1: Mm Hmm. Another book that I would highly recommend, um, I'm not sure if you've read this, but I use it with my coaching clients all the time, is it's a book called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. And it's by a gentleman named Shad Helmstetter. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you read that?
0: No, but I will add it to the list. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Um, and and as I was prepping for this, I know that one part of this book really stood out to a client of mine. So I reached out to her and I was like, "Can you tell me what part th- that was in the book? Because it's been a while since I've read it." Um, so I'll share a little bit about it with you. So Shad Helmsetter says that in the first 18 years of our life, so talking about that early programming, we hear "no" or the idea that we can't do something, 148,000 times. Wow. Versus literally a handful of um things that we can do so it's so off balance and then he says that um leading behavioral researchers have told us that as much as 77 percent of everything we think is counterproductive and works against us mm. is not that wild
0: yeah yeah and again this is probably a whole different topic around communication Actually, what we're vocalizing to people around us and when people are growing up as well, how we how we actually shape that that kind of thought. And you know, when you're talking there, it, it makes me think of Robert Kiyosaki and his book Rich Dad Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. And he talks about one of the stories in that when he was younger, it was never a case of what his rich dad did. It was never a case of no, you can't do that. It was more encouraging to think, how can I do that? So mm-hmm. it's making it more constructive. No, no, I can't afford it. Is how can I afford it? So just those little things, again, like you say, of how you talk to yourself is important, um, and you know can influence those emotions as well. As you said earlier, as well, around when they're actually feeling them is 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 naming them and kind of calling them out as to what they are. Sometimes yeah. out loud, sometimes to a to a friend, uh, because you know when you actually talk about these emotions, and there's a you know there's a, a, a big um, emphasis, which I think is so important around mental health these days, is actually talking to people about it when you actually voice it to someone else for example saying i'm feeling really anxious at the moment feeling really stressful just by saying it out loud sometimes it can just make that a lot easier to deal with and realize that it's not as bad as it seems in your mind
1: mm-hmm. yeah and it's so funny how you talk about that that slight shift between i can't afford it to how can i afford it because obviously well, and, and i think that that's brilliant and so useful but what we do is we add a question and I think questions are part of the key to freedom with all of this, mm-hmm. right? Like asking ourselves, like, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling it? Like, is this really true? So that's a big one for me is like really pushing the limits on questioning, like, because tr- true and false are subjective, mm-hmm. right? I, um, one of the things that Abraham Hicks says is that a belief is just the thought that you keep thinking and so things that we believe to be true is it's just because it's a practiced thought. So some are because a lot of people think it, which is like when we talk about collective consciousness, some is it, some of it is just that we think something uh, is true, but uh, to get back to the point of the question, really questioning yourself and, and again, bringing that awareness and attention and intention and not just letting emotions happen to you and not just being the victim of them but really taking an active role yeah
0: yeah I, I sort of imagine it like your brain is as a massive google search engine and whatever you tell it or ask it it's going to go and find things to prove it so for example oh, I've talked about this previously before but you know for example or oh, why can't I lose weight or why can't I do this it'll come with all the reasons that here you go here's the yeah and you go well there you go I can't but you start asking more constructive questions like you talked about there like how can I afford that or how can I do that it'll it, you'll be surprised with all these things it starts sort of you know creating and these thoughts around constructively helping you rather than limiting you
1: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I think the exact same thing about our mind and um you know a lot of people will say that your mind is not your friend and I think Right. When we're running on default, our mind probably isn't our friend because to your point, like it'll give you it'll it just proves you right. So -hmm. if you have a thought or or a feeling that's not serving you, it's going to just keep showing you more of that. Um, But your mind can be your best friend as soon as you get in the driver's seat and start, like you said, you know, inputting questions that are more productive. You're going to come up with equally productive answers.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I think another reason why people have a common misconception around their emotions as well is a is a lack of focus on the moment. I think too often do we have uh, are we led by our emotions because of a thought in the past or, or thinking about the future rather than an actual now of what is actually happening to us. For example, when you're feeling anxious or worried, it might not be the actual situation, but it might be something that you're completely different, worried about a week ago or thinking about coming up. And I had a great uh, talk from Will Smith about this. He was talking about the skydiving, his first ever time he skydived. I don't know if you've heard this story that he shares.
1: No, no. But um,
0: he said, you know, he booked this skydiving thing for charity and he was like, right, going to do it. That's absolutely fine. Two weeks come, he starts getting these thoughts in his head and he's like, right, OK, I'm, I'm going skydiving now. This is this is happening and then it's a week before he's doing a couple of bits of press around it. He's like, things are starting to sink in, all these worries, having a couple of sleepless nights, thinking "Oh, what could go wrong. The, the night before, worried, can't sleep, has barely any sleep until wakes up on the day, goes to the airfield, gets in the plane, sits on a guy's lap, and he's like, right, okay, I'm literally putting my life in your hands right now. <laughs> nice to meet you. And like all these worrying things going through his head. And he moves closer to the door. And the green light goes on and he's literally said, I've never been so fearful in my life. And he gets, essentially they say, go on three and he gets pushed on two because he says, <laughs> so he's, he's flying out. And after a few seconds, he said, after that, it was just total bliss. He said, you know, I've never felt such positive happiness. And yet this is the time when I should be the most fearful, if anything, but I'm 15,000 feet up in the air. And with a, a guy I've just met with a parachute, trusting my life in him yet. This is the most calm. And it's uh, he talks about it being a perfect example of how our emotions can create this kind of fictional and uh, illogical way of getting us to fear things because of how primitive our our minds are sometimes that we're actually not in danger at all and there is no benefit to thinking about it, but it just does sometimes. And in the actual moment, we're fine.
1: Absolutely. Um, Fear, it's so interesting that you're talking about, you know, what if we're thinking about the past or the present, because fear is always in the, like, we're thinking about the future, I'm sorry, past or future, um, fear is always in the future. Even if you are like, I always use this weird example and I'm not sure why, but even if you're running from a bear, like you're still thinking about the future while you're running from the bear, because you're thinking Mm -hmm. like, is the bear going to catch me and eat me? If you're being eaten, you don't have time to fear, fear, feel fearful. Like it's <laughs> it's happening and you've got to be in acceptance. You're in the now, you know? So we're only experiencing usually like those non-serving emotions if we're thinking about the past or the future. It's really hard to be in the present moment and and feel anything that's going to be non-serving because our emotions in the now are very calm. It's mm. just that we don't spend any time in the now.
0: Yeah yeah and you know talking of the now we've we've discussed a lot of uh, emotions on this podcast already that people perceive to be negative or ones that they want to avoid but also you know talking about the now is also the positive ones around you mentioned it earlier on a bit more around happiness is that i think sometimes we have this perception that ha- happiness is on one side of the net and everything else that on the other side is negative that all the other emotions mm-hmm. we have aren't benefiting us and we just want to be happy and when we're not we're we're upset we're angry and all these other emotions which we just think oh we just need to be happy you know people talk about it i need to i want to buy this to be happy or why can't i just be happy and it's uh, the other thing is that some people just perceive happiness to be this destination this land where you get to and you're happy forever but Mm -hmm. but it's not It's, it's the journey and the process that you go through as well
1: Yeah. You and I had talked about this a little last week, but this is something about happiness that just makes me laugh and I do it too. So this is, I I put myself into this bucket for sure. Um, But we want to be happy like 24 seven, right? That's as the human condition. That's what we think the goal is. But happiness is an emotion just like anything else and no other emotion. Do we put that kind of pressure on? Like we don't expect, or, you know, we don't expect to be like confused 24/7 right that would be very strange like why would that emotion last all the time you know usually emotions have kind of start and end points um or i mean you, you can think about any other emotion that we experience we wouldn't expect to feel that one way all the time but when it comes to happiness we place this immense pressure on ourselves and on the feeling of happiness to stay. And honestly, the second you think about that, right, which is also going into the future, like if you're happy in the moment, and then you start thinking, I just want to be happy all the time. Now, all of a sudden, our Mm. thought is in the future. And as soon as we get as soon as we have that thought, we're, we're moved out of that happiness, you know, so um so happiness is tricky and elusive. And, um, there's speaking of Ted talks, a wonderful Ted talk on the idea of happiness is, uh, by a guy named Daniel Gilbert, who wrote a book called stumbling upon happiness, which, um, if, if anyone is listening, who is, who has that mentality. And again, like I'm there too, so there's no shame in it. And this is for sure, just a cultural, um, pervasive thought. But if you are one of those people who are thinking, I just need to get to x to be happy check out daniel gilbert's ted talk because it'll give you a different perspective on happiness
0: Mm, absolutely and i saw a quote actually this morning um on my instagram for jim carrey which he said i wish everyone could experience being rich and famous because that's what a lot of people perceive to be happiness if you're rich but he said i wish everyone could experience being rich and famous so they'd see it wasn't the answer to anything in that we have this perception particularly with social media these days and what we see and what's portrayed that, you know, if we get to this point, we're going to be happy. And you see a lot of people, and we talked about mental health earlier, that a lot of celebrities and other people, you know, people taking their own lives and other things still struggling because it's not It's not about getting to there. It's about being happy within, within you rather than necessarily relying on e- external factors from what you buy or what what you bring into your life. It's, it's making sure that you are content and happy with how you are as a person first and foremost.
1: Absolutely. I love that Jim Carrey quote. And I think, like, if uh, an important thing for all of us to understand is that if we are not happy, content, at peace, whatever word you want to insert there today in the moment, then no matter what external conditions shift, we're not going to be happy in the next moment. You know, mm-hmm. so I talk to clients about this all the time the idea of wherever you go, there you are. You know, like if, if you are not happy, but you think that I kind of hate that word, but if you are not at peace, you're not content, there's something, you know, off. um, Mm. And you think that getting a house or a car or fame or a role or whatever it is, is going to be the thing that shifts it. It's just not, it's never going to be external. It's always what's going on internally.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So for for people listening to this, who who feel like they may need to perhaps rewire their thinking around certain emotions, is there any advice or suggestions and how they could start to, it's not something that's going to happen overnight, but to create those kind of habits or or utilize things around them to be able to do so?
1: Yes. So some things I think about are, um, again, like kind of going back to asking those good questions, So if you're, if you're experiencing one particular emotion, a lot that you want to shift or a thought that you want to shift. Um, one thing that I always recommend is just people do this so rarely because I think it's, it's difficult for us, but, um, spend some time by yourself, make a list of like how you are feeling about whatever it is. And then really challenge though, that list with, with productive questions you know, how can I do this differently? Why do I feel like this? And even to your point earlier about asking the question to your Google brain of like, why can't I lose weight? And then you're going to get all of the answers. I think mm. even sometimes those questions can be helpful as long as you keep going. So if you have the, why do I feel this way? And you get an answer, like question that again, you know, in, mm. I, I think it this originated in like the manufacturing world or um, the idea of Um, lean manufacturing with uh, one of the principles is five why, which is just asking why, 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 why it's a, it's a tool to get to root cause. Um, I use that with thoughts and feelings all the time, like just keep questioning it until you get to the root of it. Um, and then my other recommendation, which is, I, I know that Abraham Hicks is a little bit, um, of an acquired taste, but they have, Esther and Jerry Hicks have a book called The Astonishing Power of Emotions. And it really describes how um, they use something called the Emotional Guidance Scale. And it, it just puts a, the thought of the whole like emotions being your GPS system in such uh, easy to consume language. So if that sparks anyone's interest, I, I highly recommend checking that out.
0: Yeah, great. And, and another thing, actually, which you mentioned on our first ever podcast that kind of inspired me and, and since I've actually been doing is journaling, I think mm-hmm. journaling and taking time to reflect. And as you say, that time within that, you can start exploring those emotions and questioning it, but being more self-aware of what you're feeling, for example, you know, great things you've experienced that day and having some time in the evening to reflect on your day, like what went well, how are you, how can you develop? What great things you experienced, and really defining not just what they were, but why were they great? Like, what did they make you feel? It's not just like a a task list, and the same in the morning as well is, yeah. And I often do every day now, uh, know how I'm going to make today great, and I've done this, and it's not necessarily a to-do list. It's having something on there with a because on it so and i'm very mindful of this now at work as well when i've got things to do we can get caught into a trap sometimes where we create this massive to-do list and then we kind of forget what the outcomes of it are so for example rather than i want to go to the gym today i want to go to the gym today so i can feel confident or i can feel healthy or i can feel more energized or and whatever it might be, but always be mindful of attaching a because to it, whether it's a personal thing or a work thing, because then it's, again, reminding yourself of why you're doing that and what it's actually doing to benefit you. And if you can't, then maybe it's not the right thing to prioritize your time with. And that can be the same thing with work or personal life.
1: Yeah, I love that. Like, and also just choosing your emotions in advance. You can do that. You know, so to your mm-hmm. point about journaling, I don't know if I had mentioned this on our first show, but I use the five-minute journal. Um, which is exactly what you're talking about. You know, it's, it's planning how you're going to feel during your day, but there's a part that talks about um, like an affirmation statement. And Mm -hmm. I use that to, to pick out what emotions I want to feel. So a lot of times, like I want to feel confident, I want to feel optimistic, you know, and I'll write that down in the morning. And that does make a difference. Um, and to your point about your brain, you know, finding the things you put into it, like when I am feeling confident or optimistic during the day, I definitely get that little signal from my brain saying like, oh, we found it. You know, here we are. This is what we intended. So um, yeah, I like that.
0: Yeah. And I think another point as well, you mentioned earlier about, you know, we've mentioned a few times actually around leaning into your emotions and calling them out for what they are, but getting into the habit of kind of thanking your emotions. <laughs> I know it sounds yeah. strange, but I've, I've even got. I've got into this recently where if I've got um, an event coming up or a presentation or something and I'm feeling a certain way is actually exploring what, what am I feeling? And actually going, thank you. Thank you for preparing me. Like I feel ready now. The adrenaline's going I'm prepared because I kind of think what would be the flip side if I was about to go and do a speech or something and I was a bit lethargic, I might not feel as sharp or as prepped, but because I'm feeling like this, I know I'm alert and I know I'm ready. So I'm grateful for this emotion And how it's actually helping me.
1: Yes. And you said the the word that I was just going to say. Which is gratitude. Gratitude Mm -hmm. is. Um, more correlated to happiness. So, you know, whatever, um, than any other emotion. So um, it's funny that we haven't brought up gratitude until this point, but any way that we can cultivate more gratitude, even if it is like what you're saying, you know, I'm feeling a little nervous and I'm, or I'm excited or whatever. Uh, and I'm going to be grateful that I'm feeling that way because I know X, Y, or Z. So anything that we can bring our attention, any way that we can shift our attention to gratitude and And, you know, it's going to have a positive impact. And the last point I just want to highlight is that every single one of our emotions is serving us in some way. So they're all, you know, we could choose to feel gratitude for any emotion, be it frustration, anger, anger even like depression, any of those kind of low vibration emotions, they are serving us in some way. So if we can, sh- you know, if, when you're in that, it's going to be a little bit more difficult, but if we can shift to have appreciation and gratitude for them, we're going to move up that emotional scale faster.
0: Mm, absolutely. And, and one final point on that as well, and Tony Robbins talks about this when he talks about gratitude, is that the things that were most, that, that sort of um, get us into a negative state of fear and anger, And when the only way to overpower those two is to get into a state of gratitude, because for example, when you are feeling those, when you're feeling grateful, you can't be fearful at the same time. And when you're feeling grateful, you can't be angry. So he encourages people and he does this as well. When you are in that kind of state of fear or anger is to wherever it might be, it might be um, any type of the day, start making a list, a grateful list. It can just be on a scrap bit of paper anywhere. And getting your mind into that kind of programmed way, that positive way, not programmed, of, of thinking rather than just being led by the kind of that, that fear or that anger at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Dee, it's been, it's been great. It's been a pleasure again. Um, really enjoyed. And thank you for some of the, the book tips on here and also your insight as well. It's been, a, it's been very useful. So thank you.
1: Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to come talk to you. I'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas. You articulate them so well. So um, thank you. I appreciate being part of the conversation.
0: You're very welcome. And for the listeners that uh, want to follow you, Dee, and sort of stay up to date with what's going on in your world, how can they how can they find you?
1: Yes, the best way to follow me is on Instagram. That's where I'm most, um, most of the time. So my Instagram is at D-D-E-E. Underscore underscore Mullen M U L L I N, and I will uh, look forward to seeing you there.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you again, D, and for the listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. Hey, people! Thanks for listening to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes and posts, you can find me on Instagram, Not Another Sales Guy, underscore in each of those words also find the podcast on all major platforms by typing not another sales podcast and also if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn I go by the name of Chris Hatfield so thanks again and stay tuned for another episode